This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning. Welcome to those worshiping uh, at home as well. I'm glad that you're here this morning on a wonderful rainy day in Fountain Hills, Arizona, right? The Lord watering the earth here. We have a couple of announcements as we always do. So this week, uh, you've got the New Testament reading. I'm posting this on Facebook and on our website. The, uh, if you want the handout, it's actually on the back tables right now. So you can get the handout for the reading plan. Uh, it's been wonderful for people to really take to this. And it's been exciting as people come either the first time or anew into God's word uh, regarding what he has said. So keep reading. Keep going on. Uh, our, our Wednesday Bible studies, 10 a.m. online, and then in person is at 6.30. So we will be finishing Genesis before Lent begins in February. Ash Wednesday is February 22nd, so we will uh, certainly finish Genesis before then. We have the Bible conference coming up. This is now the time to start inviting people to come to the Bible Conference. It's sponsored by the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations. It is Saturday morning. It is based on our mission statement, which is to grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus, to grow alive, deep, and bold in our faith. Pastor Hermstad, who is the president of the AFLC, and Randy Nelson will be the ones who are leading it uh, that day. And also giving the message then uh, that Sunday morning. So uh, announcements. If you've read the news at all, you know that there was a lot of uh, discussion regarding the town having an invocation. And they decided and voted to have the invocation. It was four to three. So uh, I want to let you know that I am giving the invocation this coming Tuesday. I would ask for your prayers on this as I am giving the invocation to pray for me and that time because there is a lot of opposition within the town for a prayer, for invocation. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is people have asked me regarding the Billy Graham Association. For those who aren't familiar with it, uh, I'll tell the whole story later on, but I contacted them the beginning of January, and I said, one, the conversation that we've had has stayed with me, and the desire for revival has certainly grown within me. Really, I've had a change heart here. And people have been asking, so what's the next step? So I thought I'd, I emailed them that, and I said, hello. I received a reply from two of the representatives the same day, probably within an hour. And they said, uh, it's great to hear from you. You are definitely on our radar. Uh, we have some additions to our team. Look forward to somebody contacting you. That was on a Thursday. The next day, Friday, I got a phone call. And the upshot is two of the representatives are coming in February to the ministerial meeting, and we are praying together because they are really focused on prayer seeking the Lord's will in this. And we've been asked to invite one or two other pastors and or Gideons 
such the like. And uh, so that's happening in February. It's still not planning. It is a time of prayer. But that's pretty exciting and how fast this is moving along. So I wanted to give you an update on that. Okay, Uh, we have the Midwest Food Bank uh, in Gilbert, Arizona. The sign-up sheet is there. We've already got a space, apparently, for Joy Church uh, that's already uh, set. But if you still want to participate, you can go onto the website and you can register through the website. Uh, I don't know if the website's listed, but we can get that to you if you don't have that. Anyway, so it's, it's pretty cool that we are doing that. By the way, yesterday we were at Desert Manor, and uh, plenty of volunteers from a number of churches and other places, so it was plenty of volunteers. But what's been happening is they've been running out of food. So the demand is still there but the supply of food isn't there. So we need to remember them for, uh, for getting enough food from the various grocery stores and other places. Okay, uh, Jim Duke is not here today. He and Gene, as he said, have the creeping crud, and that has just stayed with them. Uh, but there's a couple of announcements that I just wanted to give today. Uh, for the interim, until we actually have the all-church meeting, we are looking to build the council. And there are two positions yet. One is treasurer and one is secretary. Other positions have been filled. So we are looking for a treasurer and secretary. Um, also, regarding the bookkeeper, if you know someone who is willing to do book keeping for us. And Debbie said that once you learn the system, it's about an hour a week to do that. If you know someone, please talk to them, send them our way. Uh, In the short term, we will, Charmin and I, and (laughs) we'll paste some things together uh, with Debbie's help. That doesn't sound too uh, encouraging, does it? I just heard myself. It's like, okay, find a bookkeeper or someone who has the knowledge, please. And also, we are working on uh, a new constitution for the church. And thus, the decision was to uh, postpone the all-church meeting until the constitution is in a form that can at least be given out ahead of time so that there can be discussion and then there can be a vote on the constitution. So that is a to-be-determined date. All right. Any other announcements that I might have missed, should have made? Heard the bell? I guess I'm done. Okay. So we do everything. And by the way, next week I will be giving out a financial update as well. Uh, It was overall a good year. I'll just put it that way. It was a good year last year. We do everything. Finances, sharing the gospel, meeting together because of Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's the reason. And we do everything because God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Amen. Will you please stand as you are able? And we begin this morning 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our call to worship is from Psalm 18. Together, please. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Indeed, he is our rock. And let's lift up our voices in song this morning with the solid rock. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fills his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in Righteousness alone, all blessed to stand before the throne. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. We stand. On Christ Jesus, the solid rock, his cross, his resurrection, his promises, and his forgiveness. So let's, as a body, confess our sin and then receive his forgiveness. Merciful God and Heavenly Father, whose grace endures to all generations, you are patient and long-suffering and will forgive the sins and transgressions of those who truly repent. Look with compassion upon your people and hear their supplications. We have sinned against you and are worthy of your goodness and love. Remember not our transgressions. Have mercy upon us and help us, O God. Grant us remission of all our sins and give us the grace of your Holy Spirit that we may amend our ways and with you obtain everlasting life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If that indeed is your confession with a repentant heart, I declare to you the good news. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. You may be seated. Gracious God and Almighty Father, 
We thank you for your mercies, which are made new every day. We thank you for your word, which comes from you, waters our soul, refreshes us, renews us, and leads us on. And so we pray this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit for a greater ever thirst, a greater ever desire for you, for your word. And we give you thanks and praise, honor and glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. We come to you, Holy Father, through Christ Jesus, our Savior. And we lift up those who are in need of healing. Holy God, it seems that the list grows more and more each and every day. So we lean on you. We lift up these prayers and ask that you would be with our loved ones. We pray for the Joy family. We pray for Don and Sue. We pray for Jim and Jean, for Cheryl, for Heidi, for Barb and Kathy. We lift up Joyce and Judy, Judy K, Judy B. Melissa, Judy T, and John Fordley. Heal them, we pray. Lord, in your mercy. We lift up our loved ones and the friends of Joy family. We pray for Danae, for Jerry, and for Chloe. We lift our prayers for Katie and Alice and Jason. We pray for Beth and Sherry and Eleanor. We lift up Janice, Denny, Jen, Roger, and Linda Shaw. We pray for William and Rita and Marlene, for Natalie, for Dawn, for Kenny, Terry, and Ralph. Lord God, be with them. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We pray for faith in those who are of no faith or of weak faith. And we continue to pray for Gabe, for Joe, for Jack and Steve. We pray for removal of any desire, any habits with addiction and substance abuse that harms one and loved ones. And we specifically pray for Danny this morning. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for those who are contemplating taking their own life. Holy Spirit, break into their lives this very moment. Show them the light and love of Jesus. And we continue to pray for the protection of the unborn. And we pray for the protection of the elderly too. Because we know that life is precious in your sight because you are the author of life. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for a revival, a revival around the world and in this town and in this valley. Holy Spirit, sweep through our hearts, sweep through this valley so that Christ is glorified, that people come to saving faith in Jesus. We pray for more men and women of God who will stand and share the gospel 
for our missionaries here and abroad. And we continue to lift up Mafu and Edne. Give them the stamina, the steadfastness, and the wisdom as they grow a church. They make disciples in Paraguay. We pray for the AFLC missionaries. We pray especially for now for Earl and Joan, Pastor Earl and Joan, as they are in India. Let their work be fruitful, gracious God. Let more and more people know in India who Jesus is, that saving faith. We continue to pray for, for, for more pastors, men of God who will stand in the pulpit, who will boldly, unashamedly confess and preach the entire gospel. And we pray for St. Peter's in Illinois for a shepherd soon. We thank you for the work that you are doing here in Joy Church. We pray for more and more visitors. We pray for more people who will come and stay and grow in your word to grow as followers of Jesus Christ. We pray for our town. We pray for all the leaders in this town that they are led by the truth, by your truth, and by your righteousness. Pray especially for this upcoming meeting during an invocation. Let your word be heard. Let hearts be softened. Lord, in your mercy. And now we take a moment to lift up our own prayers unto you. We lift this all up in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Now we have a reading of God's Word. Uh, for those who are visiting today, we have sermon notes. And on the sermon notes, there are also the page numbers. They are with the, uh, with the pew, pew Bibles. morning. The first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth and that they may teach their children so. And the second reading is from Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. 
In Jesus' name. Got to be able to see it. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith that in the Lord, in the that I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you which are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church, which is the body, his body, the fullness of him who fulfill all in all. Will you please stand as you are able? A reading of the gospel from Matthew, chapter 16, starting with verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In response to God's word, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Nice to have the bell choir, isn't it? So we also have a song here this morning. So now Regina's got to go really fast back over. And you'll notice that there's a lot of songs with rock in the title or the verses this morning on purpose. So we have one here for you this morning, God, My Rock. When my heart is overwhelmed, I will look to you alone. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. You will stand when others fall. You are faithful through it all. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. Blessing in the pain. Through it all, you've never failed me. You are the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. When I've struggled to believe, you have not let go of me. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. Carry through the darkest storms, you have held me in your arms. God, my rock, God, my rock, God, my rock. In the blessing, in the pain. Through it all, you've never strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. You are the joy of my life. You are my song in the night. There is no one as true. Jesus, I trust in you. You are the strength of my heart. You are the strength of my heart. I can rely on you. I can rely on you. You are the joy of my life. You are my song in the night. There is no one as true. Jesus, I trust in you. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Rock. In this message, I pray that you would guide me. I pray that you would open all of our ears, our souls, to your word, so that we stand firm on the promises of Christ Jesus our rock and our redeemer. Bless us during this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In April of 2021, the Finnish Prosecutor General, the prosecutor for the country of Finland, announced that three separate charges of incitement 
against a minority group were, be, were filed against a Finnish member of parliament, and her name is Pavi Rasanen. The charges fell under a chapter of Finnish law which criminalizes war crimes and crimes against humanity. And each charge can result in a prison sentence of up to two years. So the question is, what were her crimes? Well, in 2004, 17 years earlier, she had written a pamphlet that said marriage is between a man and a woman and was critical of homosexuality. And then in 2019, she was on a radio program in which she criticized the state Lutheran church for participating in a gay pride parade and also for tweeting a Bible verse from Romans, just a picture of the Bible verse. For those, she was incited for crimes against humanity. Thankfully, a court in Helsinki acquitted her of all charges. Now, this past December, December 2022, in England, a woman was arrested outside an abortion clinic. She was not protesting. She was not holding a sign. She was not even saying anything out loud. And the abortion clinic was closed. So what was her crime? Praying silently in her head. And as you know, last year in Scottsdale, there was a satanic convention, SatanCon. And now this year, April 28th through the 30th, the Satanic Temple is hosting SatanCon 2023 in Boston, and they are billing it as the largest Satanic convention yet. These are but three examples in the news out of the many that I could have picked from. And there's a spiritual battle going on, and you can't miss it even if you have a, but a little bit of spiritual discernment. There's a darkness and hatred against Christianity stronger than ever before for a long, long time. And Satan isn't even hiding. Really, a Satan convention. And the thing is, Satan isn't just out there, but Satan is in the churches as well. And how do we know this? Well, we see a weakening of people actually knowing Scripture, of knowledge and discernment by God's Word. We see a weakening of spiritual fortitude, a courage of our convictions. And most of all, I think Satan is at work with this one word, apathy. In much of the Western church, so Europe, United States, apathy reigns in many, many churches. And how do you know that apathy reigns? Well, people say, geez, it's raining today. Do I have to go to church? Right? Do I have to go to church? It's early. Oh, I had a long week. Couldn't I just skip it today? It goes so long. Couldn't we shorten it to like a half hour? Why do we have to go so long? Right? All of these things are an indication of apathy. 
when church becomes one more thing to do, it becomes rote or a dead obligation. And in many churches across Europe, across the United States, there are a lot of dead people in the churches. This is the work of Satan. This is the spiritual battle. Now, I don't say any of this to make you disgusted, to make you fearful, to get you angry even. This is simply a black and white view of the spiritual battle that's going on. And yet, you and I are people of the light, right? We are people of eternal hope. You see, we are a body of Christ the King. The one who suffered, died, and rose again. And thus this picture is the one that I chose for this whole series, God's Church for a time such as this. Because it shows the promises that we have no matter the darkness in the world, no matter the spiritual battles that are being taking place outside and inside the church. See, you and I are called this very day to be the church, to do the work of ministry together. And we must acknowledge that God has put you and me here in this time, in this place, for the work, for a time such as this. I do not believe it is any, con- any uh, coincidence that you are here today. I mean, you didn't get here by accident today, did you? Right? It's raining out, for goodness sake. You came here on purpose, and for those who are listening at home or hearing this afterwards, I believe that it is no coincidence you are here for this message today. Because you and I are called for a time such as this. You and I are called to be God's church for a time such as this. Not a lukewarm church, not a fearful church, not a church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation, but a time to be called out as God's people for the work, for the ministry to do. You and I are called to a higher calling. So in this series, we're going to dig in like we haven't dug in before. And it's going to be instructive. It is going to be encouraging, and make no mistake, it will be challenging as well. Today, we're going to lay the foundation, and the foundation is Christ, the solid rock. And then we're going to be building upon that foundation throughout this entire series. And so this morning, I need you to really sit up in your soul. And if you are at home, sit up in your soul this very moment and hear the word of the Lord, of Christ Jesus, who is the foundation, who is the solid rock. And this morning, we will take a look at three things. We will take a look at the confession we are to have, the foundation, and ultimately the promise we have in Christ Jesus. You ready? Buckle up. Here we go. Matthew chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? 
And they said, some say John the Baptist, others said Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, most people are at least familiar with this passage of Scripture. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus asks one of the most penetrating questions he could ever ask because it gets to the heart of the matter. Who do you say that I am? Look, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about Jesus. You know, just like the disciples said, well, some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, maybe another prophet. People in nowadays will also say something, well, uh, Jesus was a good teacher, he was a, a wise man, and they'll go on about Jesus. When I was praying yesterday with some of uh, two women uh, in their cars, they were waiting for food at Desert Manna. One woman said, well, you know, it's a lot of folklore, isn't it? Just people's interpretation of who Jesus is and all of that. But Jesus isn't asking about him. He's saying, who do you say that I am? He doesn't want your philosophy. He doesn't want your feelings about it. Who do you say that I am? He doesn't care about what your Uncle George, your Aunt Mary say about him. If Jesus stands before you, there's that one question, who do you say that I am? And you have to come face to face with that question in your life. What is your confession to Jesus? What is your confession? You see, Peter makes a very, very clear confession, and he does not waffle or hem whatsoever. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Notice, very carefully, Peter does not say, you are one of the Christs. You are one of the living God. You are, you are not a Christ. You are not a Son of the living God. You are the Son, the Christ of the living God. So his confession declares the uniqueness of who Jesus is. There's no waffling. There's no doubt here. Now, in a statement that contains just 10 words, in a literal sense, it would be, you are the Christ, the Son of the God of the living. For reasons in English, we smooth that out. But what does that mean to say you are the Christ? To say that you are the Christ means that he is the long-awaited anointed one the mediator between God and man, the, the one who the Father anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the eternal priest. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one who fulfilled all of the prophecies of the Old Testament. That's what it means to say you are the Christ. It is not a little word that means nothing. It has full impact. 
And when he says, you are the son of the living God, one commentator put it like this, it can mean no less than that in a unique sense, a sense not applicable to any mortal Jesus was and is and always will be the son of God. And the son of God is God. He is God in the flesh. We just talk about this, right? All of Advent and in Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And he is the son of the living God. Not a dead God. Not a dead God like the idols and pagans, the pagan idols that people would pray to. But a God who lives and lives forevermore. This is the confession that Peter gives. Would that be your confession? See, look, Paul enlarged this for us in his letter to the Colossians. He said, he, Jesus, is the image, the exact representation of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's what Peter was confessing. And it is a line of demarcation. It's a line in the sand. And there's no turning back from his confession. And with his confession comes a changed life. A life that says, I will live for you, Jesus. Imperfectly, yes. Needing to be corrected, yes. Just like the rest of us, yes. But it is a line in the sand. That's the confession. And most people don't have that confession nowadays. Most people say, well, you know, if you ask them, well, what do you believe? People might confess, well, I'm a Lutheran, I'm a Baptist, I'm, I'm a Catholic, I'm a what, fill in the blank, right? But is that the confession we are to have? No. We are to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. People's confession is weak because they aren't confessing Christ. And when you really confess Christ and it sinks in your bones, and fills your soul. There's a line in the sand. No turning back, no turning back. So, how does Jesus reply to Peter's confession? Then Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which just means son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus didn't say, good for you, Peter, you figured it out. You've done all your homework. You put all the pieces together. You used that intellect, even as rock hard as you are, and you figured it out. He didn't do that, did he? Where did that insight and faith come from? The Father. It is the Father. And so we talk about that faith in and of itself is a gift from God. 
so that no man can boast. This is what it says in Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, so now we've got the confession, right? And that it comes from God himself. And now we take a look at Jesus, who is both the foundation and then the promise as well. He says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Okay. There are a lot of interpretations regarding this one verse. And specifically, the Roman Catholic Church uses this verse to say that Peter is the first pope. Now, there are a lot of interpretations that do come into play regarding this particular verse. As you can see on screen, Peter is Petros, rock, in a male uh, form of the word. And this rock is Petra, and that's a feminine version of the word. So you can see there's a little bit of wordplay, right? Well, let me just briefly give you some of the interpretations. The rock may refer to Jesus. It may refer to Peter as a leader, Peter as a representative of the church, or the church in general. So there's four. Let me give you a fifth now, too. So where they were standing, and we'll get this into this a little bit later, where they were standing was generally considered to be the gateway to the underworld, right? For Satan and the, and the devil and all of his demons. And so he's declaring that on this rock, right here in front of the gates, the church will overcome evil and death. How's that? There you got your, your primer on all of those interpretations. And while I don't agree with the Roman Catholic Church on this, uh, on their interpretation, that's not my intent here. And I don't think it should be the intent of what Jesus said either, because I think we miss the forest, the, the tree from the forest. Which one is that? I can't even get that out. I think we missed the point. Okay? And apparently I can't even get the point, so let's go with it. Here's the point. Jesus said, I will build my church. He didn't say, Peter, you're going to build your church. He didn't tell the disciples, you're going to build your church. He said, I will build my church. And that's the point. That's the point of the whole verse here. I will build my church. And thus, Jesus is saying he is both the architect and the foundation for his church. Listen from our reading from Ephesians. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of, all, of him who fills all in all. He's the head, he's the foundation, and as you know from Scripture, he is the rock, he is the cornerstone by which everything is squared up. He's that one foundation. And upon him, he will build his church. Now, you have to know, in Scripture, this is the first time the word church is used. And 
most people don't know what church means. So we're going to explore that a little bit because it's important. We have generally made church into a very passive word. What are you going to do this morning? I'm going to go to church, right? That's what we do. But church is not a passive word. It actually comes from this word ecclesia. Sometimes it's spelled with C's rather than K's. Ecclesia. And if you break that word down, it mean, there's ek and kaleo. Ek means out of or out from. And kaleo means called or summoned. So you could say, what is the church? The people who have been called out by God. Let that sink in. You. And if we had time, I would mention every one of your names, first name, you, have been called out by God. Here, this day. What were you called out from? And you have to be able to answer that too. He called you from death to life. He called you out from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. He called you out from impure living to a holy living. And ultimately, he called you through the gospel. You here this day, God has called out. And he has called you by name. And we together, you and me, we are called out, and that's the church. And that has a whole other implication of what it means to live. To live for Christ. To be the called out ones in a time such as this. And the church that Jesus is speaking about is not just joy church either. It is the church universal. So we get really myopic when we talk about church and we focus on our church, Joy Church. There was even one person who's no longer here who didn't want to do evangelism unless they came to Joy Church. So I'm not going to share the gospel unless they come to our church. Do you hear that? And that's the state for many churches. We should rejoice anytime anybody comes to saving faith. And if they go to a Bible-based, Christ-centered, gospel-centered church, amen. We are not, listen carefully, we are not in competition with other churches that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and gospel-centered. The churches in the ministerial in this town, we are not in competition for them. If somebody goes, you know, they, they come to faith, and then they go to Trinity Lutheran or Cornerstone or Scottsdale Bible Fountain Hills, we rejoice just as they rejoice when people come here because this is a kingdom focus, the universal church. And so you and I, in a time such as this, need to stand for the church universal. 
where there is no waffling on the confession, where there's no waffling on who Jesus is. The foundation. He's going to build his church. And he has a promise that we need to hold on to. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So it's interesting to note, when Jesus was speaking, they would have been at Caesarea Philippi. And it's possible that they could have been at the base of Mount Hermon. At the base of Mount Hermon is one of the largest springs that feeds the Jordan River. So there could have been a place for them to sit, to talk, for him to preach and teach. But I want to show you a picture because there's more at the base of Mount Hermon. So, in the red circle, you can see that's where Jesus and the disciples might have been. But what's surrounding that area? Well, first of all, there's a temple of Augustus. So there's a temple to Caesar, Caesar Augustus. There's a temple of Pan. Pan was the half man, half goat. He was the one who played that wooden flute. Okay, so you've got the temple of Pan. There's a pagan god. And also a temple of Augustus, that's also idolatry. A temple of Zeus. A temple of the sacred goat. And a temple of the dancing goat. And by the way, isn't it interesting that goat shows up in three of these temples? And so, I I don't want to press this too hard, but there seems to be more of a difference when Jesus says, I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats. So now, Jesus is there, right? And he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice Jesus did not go far away in seclusion. <laughs> hey, Peter, Paul, the, the, you know, sorry, Peter, James, John, all the disciples, we're going to do an off-site here. And we're going to talk about the promises I'm going to give you. No, he was right there. And even if they weren't right there, they would have known about the gates to this underworld. And so Jesus stands in the midst of that darkness. And he proclaims a promise. The gates of hell shall not overcome it. Shall not prevail against it. Now, does that mean that all churches and all people will always stand strong? Doesn't, does it? We take a look at what's currently going on. We take a look at history, and there are churches, there are people who fall away. And by the way, this is not a new phenomenon. Just read the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and 3, and you will see churches that have fallen away from Christ Jesus. So there are churches, there are people who will fall away, and we know have fallen away. Does this mean that the promise of Christ has failed? And the answer is no. But here's what happens. When Jesus, his cross and gospel, stop being the center of your faith, or you change the meaning of the cross and the gospel, you stop being the church. You lose promise. 
See, rather than teaching and preaching God's word, rather than lifting high the cross, proclaiming Christ, churches will start preaching and teaching about inclusivity, about diversity, about equality, about social justice, and everything else except the gospel. And when you fill people with that, you lose all sight of the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the wrath of God against all sin. And thus, you lose any meaning of Jesus, His cross and resurrection. And without His cross and resurrection, do you know what you end up worshiping? You don't worship the Creator. You worship the Creator, the creation, the creatures. Without Christ and His cross and resurrection, we ended up worshiping and serving the creature, rather the Creator. This is why Paul was so hard on churches in Corinth and to the churches in the area of Galatia or to the Galatians. He pounded on them in a way that wasn't nice. Listen to what he said to to the Galatians. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you and the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is a different gospel, but there are some of you who trouble, some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That is, let him be damned. As we have said before, so now I say again, If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. We have many warnings like this in Scripture. And it's really easy to get this pounded so far down into you that you lose who you are and you lose the promise of who you are. You and I together. We are children of the light. We are children of the promises. And the promises rest not on us. Thank God for that, right? Amen. The promises don't rest on us. They rest on Him who made the promises. The promise rests not on how strong we are, but on how holy, righteous, and powerful, and mighty Jesus is It rests on his cross and resurrection. And thus have that picture ingrained in your mind as you go further following Christ Jesus. He is our rock. He is our redeemer. Peter said this, this is Jesus, the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which, among men by which we must be saved. And then in Revelation chapter 1, starting with verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. 
I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. So let those promises sink into your soul. Listen, there is no one else under heaven, no other name by which you are saved. Christ Jesus, he is the first and the last. He is the living one and evermore, and he's the one who has the power over death, over hell itself. You and I are called for a time such as this. We are called out by God for this time. And so, brothers and sisters, we together need to dig deep and hold fast. Hold fast to your confession. If you've really never made a confession of Christ, today, let that be the day. Hold fast. Dig deep to that. Stand firm on the foundation of Christ Jesus. And hold fast to the promises that he and he alone fulfills. I'm going to end here with Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Can you tell I've been waiting to do this? Really, God has just pulled me forward, pulled me forward. In a moment, we're going to have communion. For those who are visiting today, we do communion in two different ways. One by procession. We'll do this side of the first church, then this side of the church second. We'll do this side of the called out ones first. And this side of the called out one second. And then we will do the individual cups. Our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they had eaten and he had given thanks, he took the cup. He gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me.
For those who are doing the individual cups, please open the bread, the body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Having received his body and his blood, be strengthened in your faith knowing that through him, him alone, your sins are forgiven. Amen.
the peace of the Lord be with you. Will you please stand as you are able? And let us pray as our Lord and Savior taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction. This is from 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And our final song this morning is Blessed Be the Rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. For the Lord is on my side, and he's made his victory mine. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock, blessed be the rock of my salvation. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. For the Lord is on my side, and he's made his victory mine. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Blessed be the rock. 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 Of my salvation. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Right? Go in peace. Be the ones who God has called you out. Serve the Lord. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thanks be to God. See, I just messed it up. All right. Have a blessed week, everyone.